Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Next Take Georgia. I'm your host, Kyle Grondon. Once again, we're here for week two of our newest podcast. Make sure to check it out on anywhere you consume your uh, podcast, whether it's ITGnext.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We're brought to you by ITG Next, your go-to company for all content, Georgia and Florida high school sports. We're continuing to churn out the content. Uh, If you go to itgnext.com, we have our latest magazine available digitally, so you can download for free and check out some great stories during your time in quarantine. We have more stories on our website as well. We are going from coronavirus coverage and how it's affecting athletes and also other topics that I'm breaking down, like the top five college football teams of all time. Nobody is competing with the uh, 2001 Miami Hurricanes, but you can go check out some of the other teams on there. And, of course, leave a comment below or on our social media page if you uh, have a disagreement. Also, go on there to subscribe to our newsletter and check out our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, at itgnext.georgia for other great content we're putting out almost every day. This week's take on Next Take is on quarterbacks. We're talking quarterbacks this week with Drew Pipkin. He's a diehard Vadasta Wildcats fan and is on to discuss Georgia quarterbacks. And we're going to go all over the place with this topic because there's so many good Georgia quarterbacks now. We're going from quarterbacks in college, graduating this fall and getting ready to compete in college, and also preparing for the NFL draft if you're a, if you're a Georgia Jake Fromm fan. Uh, the biggest story we're going to talk about and break down is next year's NFL draft. Actually, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Which one are you taking? So we're going to go back and forth about that. And then, of course, Thomasville football's Zach Grage is going to come on. We're going to talk about some great things happening with the athletics program in the Thomasville community and how they're staying active through the coronavirus and the school shutdown for the rest of the school year. And also how the Bulldogs are going to prepare for the upcoming season. They made a great semifinals run last season. They had a little bit of a slow start to the year and made it all the way to the semifinals after turning it around and losing to Dublin in the semifinals. And I can't really wait to see what uh, is happening for Thomasville in 2020. Uh, real quickly, I'm going to open up with the uh, story that it seems like everyone wants to talk about and also doesn't want to talk about at the same time. That's the Valdosta head coaching football search, the never-ending saga. This Saturday... We're recording this on April 8th. This Saturday, April 11th, will be two months since Coach Alan Rodemaker was fired for the second time. Not the first time, the second time. will be two months from this Saturday. So, quick recap for if you're living under a rock here. It's, he was let go, or as people like to say, his contract wasn't renewed, which, which is the same thing, you know. If I, if I bring you into my office and say your contract's not renewed, you're not working for us, or if I say you know, you're let go. It's the same thing. So his contract wasn't renewed on January 28th. He asked for a revote. The community asked for a revote. Again, on February 11th, they decided not to renew his contract. And so two months from the firing, we're still without a coach. We're still down to the final two candidates, it seems like, with Rush Probst and Hal Mummy. But of course, Valdosta decided to table the vote after calling everybody in for a meeting, you know, as uh, Chris Beckham pointed out on his show, you know, this meeting wasn't planned. They called this meeting together to have everybody talk about this, and it was only one of the two items on the agenda. And after all that, they still decided that they weren't going to hire a coach. They decided to table it. A lot of people are thinking because Rush Probst, who by many accounts is one of the best high school coaches in the country, 
is still interested in the job. Many people are thinking that this is just a negotiation process, that they're waiting to finalize everything, and that hopefully by the next meeting, he will be hired. And then, of course, there's the lawsuit from Alan Rodemaker that, you know, his firing was unjust, that is, you know, throwing a whole, it's throwing a wrench in the whole hiring process because he's saying that his firing was unjust due to multiple different things. That's going to remain to be seen. It still seems like Rush Probst is going to be the guy for the job, and we're just waiting. It seems to be more of a when and not much of an if. So April 14th is the next board meeting for that, and we're going to see what happens there. So you know, hopefully this saga will end there, and Valdosta, you know, it's, it's important for the Valdosta community that this comes to an end. The, the faculty seems pretty much over over it. The players are just ready to get on the field. They're ready to see who their coach is. And at the end of the day, it should be about the players before anything else. And they, you know, they want their football coach. They just want to focus on football and focus on the game. So we're going to go ahead and jump to Drew Pipkin here. Where we're going to talk quarterbacks, like I said, and then, of course, Zach Grage later on in the podcast. Once again, this is Next Take here with Drew Pipkin. with Valdosta Wildcat fan Drew Pipkin. Drew, how's it going? I'm doing great today, Kyle. Great to be here. How are you holding up with everything going on during this uh, entire pandemic? You know, everything's going good. Uh, just trying to stay busy at work. That's good. And of course, we're here to, uh, you know, get a little salvation from all that. So we're here to talk about quarterbacks, specifically Georgia quarterbacks. Last January, I wrote a piece that you could find on itgnext.com titled Georgia, the quarterback capital of the USA. And this was right before one of the best semifinal games, or the best semifinal game this year, probably. And it was the Ohio State and Clemson semifinal, which just happened to feature two Georgia quarterbacks. The first was Trevor Lawrence, who, of course, is one of the winningest uh, quarterbacks in his first two years of college football, and Justin Fields, the must-hyped quarterback out of Harrison High School. The story is pretty great. They uh, grew up 21 miles apart. There was, they had the same quarterback coach in starting in middle school. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, he had a lot of hype his freshman sophomore year because he was starting for Cartersville High. He's one of the winningest quarterbacks in Cartersville High history, and also is has every record it seems like for Georgia passing, for career yards, touchdowns, just about the whole thing. He was an incredible quarterback there. And then there was Justin Fields, who he he started off a little slow. He didn't start his freshman year at Harrison. Of course, that's a big school. And then his sophomore year, he was hurt. But then his junior and senior year, he ended up coming on really strong and ended up the number one quarterback in the class, just barely edging out Trevor Lawrence for the number one dual threat quarterback in the class of 2017, 2018. And so now it seems like their careers are almost intertwined. And then now we're looking towards... You know, last year we had them both pitted against each other in the semifinals. There's a good chance they might play each other again in the playoffs this next season. And then the biggest conversation is in the draft. Many people have pretty much penned in that Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick, without a doubt, in next year's NFL draft. That's 2021. But then there's there's a group of writers out there who are saying it's, it's a little early to completely discount Justin Fields and what he's able to do. So we're going to spend this issue th- this episode talking about quarterbacks. And uh, Drew, I want your opinion. If you had, if you had the number one pick next year, let's say you're, let's say you're the Jacksonville Jaguars general manager. Uh, you go two and fourteen next year, and it seems like Gardner Minshew's not the guy. Who are you taking? Are you taking Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Well, Cal, I appreciate you having me on. First, I want to say it would be absolutely horrible to be the Jacksonville Jaguars manager. <laughs> Who would want to be that guy? Okay. There's just a, so much disappointment right now in Jacksonville. Uh, but if I had the number one pick, it's just a no-brainer. And I think the rest of the country would agree with me. It's Trevor Lawrence. He's just better. He's got a better arm. He's a winner. Justin Fields is not a winner. Ohio State is a winner, but Justin Fields is not a winner. That's an interesting take. I'm not sure that I'm ready to discount Justin Fields' ability to win football games. I think he was a uh, he was a good player. At Harrison, and of course, he was put on a 
fantastic season at Ohio State. One of the things that stand about stood out about Fields in his first year as a starter, learning uh, his second offense in two years after obviously transferring from Georgia, was that his ability to essentially learn that offense and then not only, you know, Ohio State had some longtime quarterbacks. They had JT Barrett there a lot of years. They had Cardell Jones there a lot of years. They had, uh, who was the guy before JT Barrett? There's another quarterback there that was really good. Terrell Pryor was there. Braxton Miller was there. Fields had a better year than all of them, and that was his first year starting. He was the most efficient quarterback in the country last year with a 67% uh, passing percentage, and that was better than uh, Lawrence has turned into efficiency. He was the most efficient passer in the country and only threw three interceptions last year. And I think the argument for Fields is you have – you just look at the quarterbacks now. If you had to name the top three quarterbacks in the league, I would say that the top three are in no particular order. Something along the lines of Deshaun or besides Mahomes. So you have Mahomes, and then you have Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. And then I think Fields as a dual threat quarterback is a better dual threat option than uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I think right there he's going to be. I don't think it's easy to discount him right away as the number one pick this next season. So. Name those three quarterbacks again in the NFL that you just named. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. How many of those have actually won a Super Bowl? Russell Wilson. Just go, Russell Wilson. Right go Seahawks. And he only <laughs> has one Super Bowl. So you're talking about the three best quarterbacks in the entire league, supposedly. If they're the, if they're Minus supposedly, Mahomes. Mahomes is on another level. If they're supposedly the three best quarterbacks, then why aren't they winning these Super Bowls? Maybe because they look the best on the field from the eye test, but that doesn't mean they win the games they need to win. I mean, that's fair, but I just think, you know, it's it's an interesting time for the NFL. I think there's very much a changing of the guard. Um, as guys like Breeze and Brady are getting set to move on, you have guys like Wilson, Jackson, and Watson, I think, are going to come up and be the guys these next few years. Obviously, they're still battling Mahomes, and Kansas City is going to be the favorite again to win the Super Bowl. But they're all right there, I think, and they're all going to compete for that Super Bowl over these next few years. I Personally, my opinion was that J- Justin Fields was the second-best quarterback in college football last year. So who was number one? Joe Burrow was by far number one quarterback in college football last year. By far. I think we both can agree with that. Yeah. By far. 60 touchdowns in one season. You can't discount how good he yeah. was. Blew everybody else out of the water. His, actually, his completion percentage was, was way higher than even the top of the field with three or four percentage points higher than the next second best quarterback. Right. So let's talk about completion percentage since kind of we're on that subject. So it is true. Justin Fields does have a higher completion percentage. He has less interceptions i think uh trevor lawrence had eight interceptions while justin fields only had three but we're, we're looking at the wrong thing here if we're going to go by completion percentage then justin fields is the 11th best quarterback in college football from last year have you ever heard of the name Ty story no anthony gordon washington state he's a solid quarterback jack jack cohen uh, Jack Cohn. Oh, yeah, he's at Wisconsin. Okay. Yes, he is. So you got two out of the three. Congratulations. Did you know that all those, from compared to what you're saying, are a better quarterback than Justin Fields? Well, I don't think uh, completion percentage is the only argument. I think there was a lot that he did. He was a, he was the most dynamic quarterback I think from the last season, besides Joe Burrow. And you know, this Ohio State offense has been good for a lot of years, but I think it hit a different level of good this past season, and Justin Fields was the best quarterback they've had in five years, and they've had really good quarterbacks over these seasons. They've had, like I said, that J- JT Barrett was, you know, in the Heisman conversation multiple years as a quarterback at Ohio State, and there was other quarterbacks at that program that were very good, but Justin Fields in his first year was better than all of them. So by your argument, you're saying Justin Fields is more efficient and more effective at winning football games than Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Okay. So I completely disagree with you on that fact. (laughs) Let me tell you why I disagree with you, okay? Trevor Lawrence has always been more effective. He's actually asked to do a lot more than Justin Fields. It's pretty blatantly obvious. If you look at the recruiting rankings 
from 2017 and 2018. Ohio State finished at number two in 2017 and number two at 2018. So they average finishing at the number two slot, which means they have they are loaded at all positions, offense, defense, whatever it may be. So Justin Fields isn't asked to do as much. Do you know what Clemson's ranking was in 2017? Number 17th. What were they in 2018? Let me look at my sheet here. They were look at number. They were at number seven. So if you average those out, they were at 12. They're not even in the top 10 considering in talent. So what you're trying to tell me is, is Justin Fields is better because he has more talent around him. Trevor Lawrence has had to do more. He, he's been asked to do more. Because he's asked to do more, he actually has more pass attempts. Yes, he throws more interceptions, but he also has more yards than Justin Fields. That is my point. I mean, I think, I think that's a little overdone because I think in 2018, that was a historically good Clemson defense with Brett Venables and that defensive line. And I think it could have taken just about any offense to a national championship. Not the fact any that, offense. The <laughs> fact that Lawrence was just a quarterback on that team, that defense was really what was special about that team his freshman year. And then his this year he has, I would argue probably last season, he had the third best receiving core in college football. I would say behind Alabama's historically good receiving core that had Jerry Judy and uh, – Rugs, who are both going to be first-round picks. Jalen Waddle. You had LSU's the offense, our receiving core that was historically good last year. You have Clemson's receiving core that had Justin Ross uh, of uh, Central High School over in Alabama, and then you had um, T. Higgins, who's going to be a first-round pick this year. He's going to lose T. Higgins this year, so we'll. I think that's going to be a big year for both the guys. One of the things is that you know both the running backs ended up washing out because Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins were probably two and three in terms of running back rankings this past season, ETN comes back for Clemson. I think that Justin Fields has more of a chance to prove himself this next season because he's losing J.K. Dobbins at running back, and he's not going to have as many weapons as Clemson does on the offensive side of the ball because Trevor Lawrence is still returning with Justin Ross and Travis ETN. I think that Clemson team's going to be stacked. He's going to have a great year with that team. But if Justin Fields improves upon last year, with losing some of his top players this past season, then Justin Fields, to me, is the better quarterback. There's no doubt about it because he he's more efficient. He's going to do more with less this next season. And I think that Ohio State's not going to miss a beat because they have one of the most talented players in the country. So let me ask you a question. So you're saying that because you're more efficient in college, that's going to propel you to be the better NFL quarterback. Is that what you're saying right now? Accuracy tends to help, yes. And I think... The beginning of the season that Trevor Lawrence had a lot of problems with interceptions. I think of his eight interceptions last year, six were in the first four or five weeks. He had a lot of problems with interceptions, and we saw what happened with Jameis Winston, where he's essentially struggling to find a job at this point because he threw so many picks and he was too risky with the ball. If Lawrence can't manage to take care of that, then no doubt about it, Fields and his efficiency is where I'm going. That's an interesting argument you just put up. Jameis Winston, of all people that you just mentioned, you just compared Jameis Winston to Trevor Lawrence, which is not even close to a comparison. I, mean, I don't think Jameis Winston's that far off because he has a generational arm. He was a much hyped prospect. He can make any throw on a football field. And when he it looks awesome when he throws it between two defenders, but there's also times where he throws it between two defenders and one of them picks it off. So that's not much. For, that's mu that's not much difference than what Trevor Lawrence is and uh, how he was acting at the first half of the season, where he was just making really bad throws. I would agree with you on that. He did not play that great at the beginning of the season. Looking at the second half of the season, he actually matched pretty much everything that Justin Fields was doing. I mean, those first five games kind of threw off the rest of the season. His entire stats for the year. So taking out those five or six games. Yes, he played bad those five or six games. I think he was he was coming off a national championship, maybe feeling a little bit cocky, saying, you know what, I'm the best quarterback out here. Maybe he didn't prepare as well as he needed to. Maybe he didn't take it as seriously. Quickly realized after those five or six games, hey, I got to get this together. I got to start playing better. And what did he do? He started playing better. Yeah, and then, of course, they had the matchup together where Lawrence did come up on top. He was 18-33 to 33 in that game, 259 yards, two touchdowns. Fields had a very good first half, but he finished the game with 30 of 46, 320 yards, one touchdown, two interception. 
The one argument I'd make for Fields is that I don't think he was 100% healthy that end of the season because he had that knee injury in the Michigan game. I do think that if he's healthy for that game, he probably beats. Oh, here he we probably go. Be, they probably beat Clemson because they, they were up in that game for a majority of them. Oh, here we go. Again, <laughs> Ohio State has better recruits. We've already discussed this. Clemson isn't even in the top 10 for 2017 and 2018 combined in talent. Ohio State is top two in talent. So what you're trying to tell me is, yes, they were ahead. Who ended up winning the battle? Who was victorious at the end? So that's what I look at. I look at who is a winner. Going back even to high school, who was the winner? Justin Fields in high school lost a lot of games. Right. Trevor Lawrence did not. I think, I think Trevor Lawrence's entire career lost one high school football game in three years. I know from a sophomore, junior, and senior season, he only lost one game. Right. Justin Fields lost a lot of games. I think that... So... Go ahead. If you're talking about who the winner is, and you had to say, this is who I want leading my team, who's going to win the game? I want Trevor Lawrence. It's not even a question. We'll obviously see how it goes. I think Fields is still being a little overlooked here, but I think that uh, overall, the the guy's a dynamic player, and if he can prove it with... I think that the Clemson recruiting classes may be lower, but their talent development and especially what they do on the defensive side of the ball, I can't look at that team and say that's a that's the 11th best team in the country talent wise. There's no way. I just think, but it is. I mean, by by, re by recruiting rankings, but there there's no that team develops talent better than anybody. They develop talent, but that doesn't mean they have the natural all talent. And then you know you look at the uh, rankings, you know. Lawrence had a head start on Fields. He was number one for a very long time before uh, Fields took over the number one ranking. And that was because when people watched Justin Fields, what he did on a football field was better than Trevor Lawrence. He passes the eye test. Again, going back to the eye test, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson passes the eye test. When you watch Lamar Jackson, I get heart eyes in my eyes, okay? Lamar Jackson is just phenomenal at what he does. Either he gets the ball to somebody or he gets out in space and makes people miss and he and he looks good doing it. Did Lamar Jackson choke in the playoffs this last year? Yes. I want a winner. And Justin Fields, from what you still have said to me, has not convinced me that he's a winner. Trevor Lawrence has, last, has lost two football games, two football games in the last five years where he started from high school all the way through college. That tr record is tremendous, and he's done it with two different teams. So yeah, you can say, oh, he's you know, look at the defense. Oh, look at his wide receivers. No, Justin Fields is not doing that. Yeah, he has the eye test, but would you rather got, have a guy that looks good and dresses nice, or would you rather have a guy that gets the job done? So would you say that Trevor Lawrence could walk into Jacksonville right now and win football games for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I think he would make the team win more football games. Yes. I'm not I'm not ready to agree with that one. I think there's going to be time to see. I definitely think Justin Fields is he can't be overlooked just now. And obviously, you know, debating between who's going to go number 1 and number 2 in next year's draft. These are both fantastic football players. Well, I think it also can depend on who has the number 1 pick because certain teams are going to want certain things. Obviously, today is the dual threat quarterback. Everybody wants a dual threat quarterback. And my favorite quarterback in the NFL is um, the Seattle quarterback. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, yes. He is my favorite quarterback. He's a great guy. He knows how to get open. And he actually makes that team win because of his feet and his ability uh, and his mindset of how he plays the game. I don't think Justin Fields has that mindset and ability. Yeah, he looks great at Ohio State because he's surrounded by all this natural talent. Put him with a team that, like you did in high school, and see what he does he does not do that great of a job. I don't think you can discount the, the ability that he had in rolling through the Big Ten, especially when Trevor Lawrence was definitely going through the weakest conference of the five power conferences. That's true. You know, he coasted all the way to the semifinals. Uh, we're going to quickly, I'm going to touch on this before we move on. My favorite Trevor Lawrence quote was Mike Farrell of Rivals said, he's the most special quarterback prospect I've seen in all my years at Rivals. I watched Vince Young to Matthew Stafford and more, but Lawrence is a different category. Every time I see him, he reminds me of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is something big that can be Peyton compared Man to. Except 
Besides Peyton, he's Peyton Manning, except he's more athletic with a better arm. So obviously we're talking about two generational pieces because that was what somebody said about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields was still rated higher to him after high school careers. Which is crazy. So, now, we can also go back and look to him. This is going to be my last point. We can also go back and look at other generational talents that have come out of college that are these big dual threat quarterbacks like Johnny Menzel or any of those other quarterbacks that, that don't seem to make it. And it's those quarterbacks that have that arm and have the ability to get better. Justin Fields, I feel like, is already at his max of his ability of where he's at right now. Yeah, the only thing he could probably do better is learn to read defenses better. But as you saw, he had a high completion percentage this last year. This The sky's the limit for Trevor Lawrence, and I think we kind of both agree on that. Um, the one thing I wanted to you know talk about before we end this discussion, I want you to listen to this clip from Ohio State versus Clemson in this, this last year's playoffs. Listen to this. At the moment. Lawrence took a peek downfield, had a lot of room, and breaks a tackle, and is still running. Lawrence in a foot race. Will they catch him? Touchdown, Tiger! See right there, folks? That's a winner. He won the football game at all costs, and that closes my argument. It remains to be seen what's going to happen. Obviously, I want to talk about some of the other uh, great quarterbacks that are from Georgia in the college football landscape right now, working their way through. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I want to say, you know, if which one of these ones are going to be great coming forward? You have Jaron Williams. Obviously, he just transferred. He put himself in the transfer portal from Miami. He had a solid, true freshman season. Cordell Littlejohn, who might get the job at FAU. Emory Jones, who was the backup at Florida this past season behind Kyle Trask, and I think he, you know, people are hyped about Kyle Trask at Florida, but I think Jones is just as talented. He throws the ball really well, and he runs really well. He could start the next season. Go ahead. Yeah, let me speak to that for a second. Actually, I think Jones is better than Trow than Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask is extremely overrated. If you actually look at the Heisman bets, you know, he's kind of way down there. But people are picking him to win the Heisman um, based on the bet standard because his bet is, is so great of a return. They're saying, oh, this is my best way to spend my money. Well, I can tell all those people out there that are spending their money on Kyle Trask, that's a waste of money. <laughs> okay, George is going to whoop that tail. He's not even going to have a chance. Once he plays Georgia, all those Heisman – Thoughts are just going to go out the window. Sorry, Florida fans. It's just going to happen. And, of course, he was the great quarterback at Hurd County. And then the other one that I really like is at Stanford. And he came in as a bat- He came in for the injured uh, K.J. Cos- Costello at Stanford. And he-, he put in a solid freshman season. I think he's going to be really good going forward. He's the shoe-in pretty much start at that, point, at that point. Greater Atlanta Christian School, it's Davis Mills. Davis Mills throws a really good ball. He's one of the most hyped recruits, you know, the, the crazy thing was he was actually the third quarterback in Georgia that year because he was behind Fields and Lawrence. But he was still a four-star quarterback, and he proved that he could make any throw on the field. And Stanford is returning more talent – or Stanford has one of the most returning talent in the Pac-12 this next season. And this, this season they're going to be healthy. They had a lot of injuries suffered last year that, that forced them to struggle. With that returning, you know, Stanford always has a big offensive line. They do. They're – they're going to come back this next season. He's going to have a healthy, experienced offensive line. And I think Davis Mills is going to put in a really good year and show why he was a four-star quarterback. And he's going to get some NFL looks coming in the uh, next few years. So Davis Mills is a guy at Stanford that I want to watch out for. Are you taking Jones as a guy that you want to watch out for over the next few years or Davis Mills? David Mills is such a great pick, but I'm still going to pick Jones. I'm a Florida hater, but – I think he is really going to turn the table. I think he might take the spot of Cal Trask this next year. Uh, there's so much talk about Cal Trask and how he is going to be the Heisman candidate and this Heisman favorite, but that's just wrong. It's going to be Jones. 
And then, of course, uh, one quarterback that has uh, finished his college career after three seasons was uh, Georgia's Jake Fromm from Houston County. What, so if I, if I gave you $100 right now and said, put this bet on where you think, long-term bet on where Jake Fromm's career is going to end up, and I gave you the options on good quarterback on a good team, an average starter, a lower-tier starter in the NFL, he's going to be a career backup, or he's going to end up in the XFL. I think he's going to be a career backup. But there's also that possibility that he ends up being a low-tier, mid-guy, you know, mid starting in the NFL for maybe a year or two if they don't have that quarterback. Quarterbacks are valued greatly right now. There's not that many great quarterbacks out there. There's only about 10 or so uh, in the league that you could actually put full confidence in, in and say, look, I want you to go out there and win this football game. There's only about 10 quarterbacks that you can do that with. So quarterbacks are very valued. And – because there's only 10 out there, there's so many open spots, they're going to give other people opportunities. So somebody's going to draft Jake from probably the third, fourth, maybe even fifth round. If I was drafting him, I would probably draft him in the fifth round. And that's coming from a Georgia fan. Now, does that make him sound bad because I'm going to draft him in the fifth round? No, it is, uh, that just means I don't want to take a chance on him in the second, third, or fourth round. I would rather place my bets on another quarterback. But that doesn't mean Jake Fromm can't be the guy. Is he ever going to be the guy in the NFL? No. Can he be an okay guy? Yeah, he can be. So my my opinion on Jake Fromm was essentially, when I watched him play, the, the player I kept coming back to in terms of a comparison is the backup quarterback. I believe he went to the Detroit Lions, was Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel's a really good guy. Everyone likes him in the locker room. He throws his ball looks nice when it comes out of his hand. He throws it accurately, but the the tools just aren't there for a starter. Yeah, that's my opinion. The projections have him going anywhere between rounds two and rounds five, and it keeps going back and forth on where that is. I think you know a lot of people were knocking him on that combine because he was the worst combine performer in terms of quarterbacks. The tough part is like you don't want to be. You, you can be on the lower tier in terms of combine. You don't want to be the worst quarterback at the combine. You don't want people walking away and saying you're the worst combine player. The issue is that Jake Fromm and what he does was never going to impress in a combine setting. It's not. He's not very fast. He's not huge. Mm-mm. We you know His small hands thing has been talked about enough, and he doesn't throw the ball deep very often. No. He's very, he doesn't have the ability to, I don't yeah. think. The, I think the one thing that's going to hurt Fromm in this draft process has been this coronavirus stuff because I think where Jake Fromm was going to really excel is in the workouts that are going to happen like in front of scouts because they see how accurate he is at the ball. And I think the other part where he's going to really excel is in the interview process. By all accounts, he was a great leader at Georgia. Even when he, when he took over the job as a freshman, people raved about his leadership. He's a great guy to have in the locker room. Everything that's talked about with Jake Fromm is how nice of a person he is and how good he is in a locker room in that kind of setting. And not having that opportunity to go and talk face-to-face with people is, I think, what hurts him the most. Because that's where he was really going to stand out, probably above all quarterbacks in the draft this season, is the interview process. So losing that, I think he is going to slip in the draft. I do think, though, that with his locker room presence, with the way he talks to people, and with the way that people respect him in the locker room, it seems like, that he's going to find a job in the NFL for a lot of years, similar to a Chase Daniel, where he may be a backup. He may get a few spot starts. One team may overpay for him to say, you know, we're going to see what there is in this guy. I just don't see a long-term starter out of Jake Fromm. I don't see a long-term starter either. I see a possible an XFL guy five, ten years from now if he wants to continue playing football. So kind of going back to uh, the high school days for Jake Fromm, when he was at Houston County, he didn't win a lot of football games. He actually didn't even make the playoffs his senior season. I remember going to the Baldasta Houston County game, going to see Jake Fromm play up in Houston County, thinking, oh man, this is going to be the next Georgia quarterback. A super pump for this guy, but I hope we beat him into the dirt. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a big Baldasta Wildcat fan. Uh, they ended up beating Jake Fromm that, that game and the rest of the team, but he didn't actually impress that much when I was at the game. Mount Baldasta also, also had one of the best defenses that year. Uh, that he graduated, uh, and they actually ended up winning the uh, state championship that year. So from, we'll see what happens with him. I think he can be a solid backup quarterback, like I said. It's just going to be 
I don't know if the physical stature is going to limit him. People like to argue about hand size and, oh, hand size isn't that big of a deal. The thing is, though, when it's cold in the winter in the north, it's hard to grip the ball. And there are going to be teams like a lot of people had him pegged to the Chicago Bears in windy, snowy Chicago in the winter. They're going to be concerned with giving him the ball with smaller hands and gripping that ball and throwing it downfield. If you can only limit, if you're limiting yourself to a guy who can only throw 15 yards in the snow, that's going to be a problem for your offense. So I just don't see, I see a lot of teams from the north uh, having problems with Jake Fromm and his physical stature. Cal, so you are a Patriots fan, right? I am. Diehard Patriots fan. Go I've seen a, I've seen a lot of people talk about how Jake Fromm could possibly end up at the Patriots because you know how the Patriots like to be. Bill Belichick, he loves drafting Georgia players. He's been doing it for the last several years. He always drafts one or two every single draft. Could he draft Jake Fromm in the fourth or fifth round this year? He could. I, I wouldn't be against it. I think that I think the guy that he actually would like, if he's available, maybe at the end of the first round or they can trade back into the second round to get is Jacob Eason. Okay. Jacob Eason to me is, you know, Brady was that prototypical quarterback. He had that prototypical size. He's six, five Brady throws a good ball. He doesn't throw it downfield very often, but he proved throughout his career that when he needed to, he definitely could, especially those Randy Moss years. Jacob Eason is that prototypical quarterback that can make any throw on the field. He stands out. He throws it really hard. And I think that, if he is available when Belichick's looking at a quarterback, that's someone I think he can go after. I don't think he's really – I think if he's going to go for a different kind of quarterback that's not your typical 6'5", throws it hard, he's going to go for a guy who's dual threat, who's a mobile, and he's going to do something completely different. He's going to change his entire offense towards something similar to what Baltimore did. He's always raved about um, teams that ran like things like wing T offenses – I think he's going to come up with something totally new if he's going with a different quarterback from these your prototypical pro-style quarterback. I don't see Jake Fromm as really the guy that's going to do that. I understand the comparisons because New England doesn't throw the ball downfield very often anymore since pretty much Moss left. And they do a lot of short, intricate routes for guys like Edelman to get open. Mm-hmm. And Fromm's very accurate with the ball. So I understand why. I just don't see New England as the, the destination. To me... I think he's going to end up as a backup for a team like a a local team like Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville. He's going to get a chance to develop. And, you know, if teams, you know, if Atlanta decides to, they're over Matt Ryan, Jake Fromm might get a look. You know, if Tampa Bay decides, you know, there might be a bridge year where Brady decides to retire in two years, Jake Fromm might get a look there. I don't see him going to a different team from a completely different market that's seen him every weekend to be the starting quarterback for that team. So, And then our last topic as far as the quarterback's edition of Next Take Podcast, which comes out every Thursday. Make sure to check it out, subscribe, and download. Um, it's available on Spreaker, our website at itgnext.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. All right, so we'll see how Jake Fromm does in the upcoming NFL draft, and obviously we'll be watching his NFL career going forward. And then, of course, like I said, Georgia has produced a lot of great quarterbacks. This next year, we're going to get a chance to see probably, you know, Harrison Bailey at Marietta might get a chance to start for Tennessee uh, based on where they're at, especially with the quarterbacks that Jeremy Pruitt had didn't before, before didn't really impress. Max Johnson is going to get some chance to learn at LSU, who produced the Heisman Trophy candidate. We'll see how he does there and if he can replicate any of those sort of numbers. You got Mike Wright over at Vanderbilt. Uh there's a lot of rumors that Tate Rodemaker may even start at Florida State his freshman season. I personally don't see him happen that happening right away, but he could get a chance to work his way up to a starter at Florida State. And then in 2021, you know, you got Brock Vandegrift, you have MJ Morris at Carrollton, and then Gunnar Stockton. Those two are 2022. You know, great quarterbacks are coming time and time again for Georgia, and uh, we're going to see how it goes. It's going to be fun to watch all these guys as they grow, get older, and, of course, you know, develop their games. Drew, anything else you want to add for today? Uh, not really, Kyle. I appreciate your time and having me on. I enjoyed talking with you. All right, there you go. Once again, these will come out every Thursday. This is Next Take, and we'll be right back with the uh, Coach Zach Grage of Thomasville Bulldogs as he talks about what Thomasville is doing uh, during their time off here with the coronavirus pandemic. So we'll be right back.
All right, we're with head coach of the Thomasville Bulldogs, Zach Grage. Coach Grage, how's it going today? Going well this morning. Beautiful day. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are, uh, obviously, first thing is the most important thing. How are you and the uh, the family and the team holding up through everything? Uh, right now, all things considered, we're awesome. I mean, uh, the, the virus course is hitting closer to home every day. Um, but as far as my personal household, my wife and three boys, you know, we're trying to enjoy as much time together as we can and then try and do our diligence as a staff to stay in touch with our kids. Uh, Football-wise, you know, no contact throughout the day. It's it's difficult, but, you know, still using the phone and the online resources, the Zooms and the Google Classrooms and whatnot. So, uh, you know, we're still trying to keep them in the mode. I know my phone blew up last week or a couple of days ago when they talked about uh, canceling school for the rest of the uh, semester. Uh, so a lot of them are worried with that. But right now we're just crossing our fingers. Everybody stays healthy and we're able to get back in August. Yeah, that's obviously the most important thing. Um, talk about how, you know, how has the team been able to stay bonded through this time? Obviously, uh, you said not a lot of opportunity for contact, but being able to stay together and communicate. Right. I mean, that's – and, again, the, the positive of this is our kids have grown up in the technological age or whatever. So I'm actually having to learn. We did a – a staff meeting the other day um, and my coaches had to coach me up on the zoom. And then you call a kid and say, you know how to use zoom. And they're like, Oh yeah, of course. So between that and the phones and um, just texts and trying to, you know, drive around town and, and touch base with everybody. Um, you know, that's our biggest thing. And I think, again, that goes back to the relationships built beforehand. Um, I know I got a couple guys with new staff, especially the new defensive coordinator. They're kind of freaking out, but once you understand that everybody's in the same boat, um, and that our, our main goal is just trying to get past this thing as quick as we can so that we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Uh, that's big. But I think, again, you go to relationships. And our, our team, with so many guys returning and such great leadership, especially out of our upcoming seniors, uh, they've done a good job of trying to stay in touch with each other. But, again, it's, it's normal for them with all their group messages and group chats and whatnot. Right. And uh, one of the great stories I heard was uh, your team was going out, especially when schools initially closed, and going out and giving back to the community helping out any way you can. Talk a little bit about that and what the team was able to do to help out. Well, we normally had our, our spring service project set up. We were doing something every other Saturday, and we did, um, uh, for instance, our last one was at the Hearts and Hands for Horses, and we had a group go out there and just kind of help them clean up and hang out with some of the folks that they serve. Um, we also did one at the food bank. And then, you know, just throughout the community, just seeing us, and again, since school's been closed out, that's been more of the coaching staff and our nutrition team at, at Thomasville City Schools, which is unbelievable. And then Miss Tina McBride and Gina Smith and I mean everybody from our superintendent, everybody that's been able to try and chip in. This is where you really saw the opportunity for the entire community to, to work together. And that's one I actually had a phone call this morning with a guy that wanted to do a story um uh, similar to this about the football team, you know, reaching out and I said, you know, we're we're really not able to do a whole lot as a team. It's more the the school system and um, just the fact that our coaches, but it's everybody, it's not just football, it's our softball coaches, our baseball coaches, our soccer coaches, basketball. I mean, everybody through middle school staff, there's even folks that aren't on extended contract. Uh, they're still coming and putting in their time to try and help these kids out. And um, I think we're doing our diligence where we have our, our checkoff points. That's the, the most fun part. We've got our gym as a main feeding point there at the main high school, but then we're also able to go out and take extra meals to kids that we know that can't get up there. Their folks are still working they may not have the means to make it up to the school. So uh, trying to keep tabs of those guys and uh, again, getting as much of our team involved, but it's more of the, the adults that are involved, the, the staff and like I said, our nutrition folks. It takes, it takes a long time to pack up over 2000 bags of food. I promise you. Yeah, that's, that definitely sounds true. Uh, I, th I definitely think one of the great things about sports and athletic programs is, you know, some people may say it's just a game, but the way an athletic program can bond to the community and uh, work to give back and work to help however they can is one of the great things. And uh, Thomasville has obviously been one of the leaders on that front, especially in the Georgia area. So it was great to hear that uh, the team was being able to give back and help out around the area. Right, and I, and I think you mentioned it, Kyle, with the just Thomasville in particular, and I think all of South Georgia. Um, for instance, we had a shooting in our town a couple of years ago, right before our Cairo game. Um, there's been some other issues come up in our community where you know people may be at odds about one thing or an election or whatever it may be. But I tell you, for those that, those Friday nights, you know, at seven o'clock when we kick off and everybody gets in those stands, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. 
um, you know, for those three hours, everybody's rooting for the same, same cause. And it's our job as a team and our kids understand that, that it's, uh, you know, we got to put something on the field for them to cheer about and forget about everything that's going on outside of the, the stadium. And then people get back to their lives when they leave from there. And then I wanted to talk a little, uh, I wanted to obviously talk a little football with you too. Um, we talked a little bit at the end of the year last year about that, you know, it was a kind of a young team, you know, they were learning a lot of new things and uh, it was a little bit of a slow start to the year last year. Plus obviously a, a brutal opening schedule. And then the Bulldogs really turned it around, obviously making the run to the state championship. All those players are now a year older. They're more, another year experience. How are you expecting this team to uh, hit the ground running here for, whenever hopefully we're able to open back up and get practices going again. Oh, our expectations right now are through the roof, and that's one of the other big positives. We had this same situation going on last year. I know we started out 0-3, and it was you know, a very good product on the field, but it would have been even worse. I mean, I would have been freaking – I would have been just going crazy um, just because I knew all the youth we had. Now, we're still uh, youthful. For instance, we have seven DBs coming back that started at least one game, but only one of those guys is a senior. Um you know, our All-State, first-team All-State in every publication, Region Player of the Year, Ty Anderson, he's going to come back. He was only a sophomore last year, so we got him for two more years. So a lot of our, um, I guess if you look at it by grades, we're still halfway youthful. Now we have a lot more uh, senior experience on the offensive side of the ball. Ronnie Baker's come back as a quarterback. He's a senior. Rico Johnson, as our top receiver, has come back as a senior. Um, We'll have two offensive linemen that are seniors. We only lost one off of last year's team, our center, William McBride. But then you look, our, our top two running backs returning are a freshman and a sophomore, uh, Ricky Fulton and Malik Harper. So um, we did lose a big deal with Hurston Waldrop as our kicker. Um, you know, he was all state and everything that you could look at. But again, that's another one of the positives. I always trying to look at the positive going through something like this. Um, the returning guys, you know, I think we could really, whenever they tell us that we're able to go, whether it's June, July, August, whatever. Um, I think we'll be able to step out there day one and, and go. Um, there's not going to be a lot of teaching. There's not a lot of learning. Uh, our upcoming eighth graders, we started getting with them in January where they were lifting with us. Our upcoming ninth graders, excuse me, current eighth graders. So, you know, everybody has a semblance of what the idea is as far as the program going into year five. You know, there should be no surprises. Um, but as far as just pure expectations, we still have that brutal opening season schedule. Um, but I was extremely proud of the guys last year going 0-3 and then 2-4 and heading the region time and then right on off seven in a row uh, wins, especially in front of our hometown crowd. That was unbelievable and a testament to them and a testament to their character and everybody just buying in and staying the course. So, um, like you said, expectations are really, really high. Uh, it's disappointing uh, losing in the semifinals to Dublin, but, you know, they were a pretty good team um, that went on to win state. But then you look at, you know, 2A coming back this year, you know, Dublin's out, Brooks is out, Rockmart's out, Hateville Charter's out. We got a, a couple teams that came in, but, you know, off the hoof, it should be, you know, we should be looked at as one of the top five teams in the state returning. And um, now we just got to live up to those expectations. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's 2A definitely seems like it's there for the taking. And then obviously you mentioned those senior seniors like Ronnie Baker, who, you know, for my money was one of the best quarterbacks in the second half of the season last year. And, uh, what is the uh, expectations of these seniors uh, going through this, you know, going through this time and uh, the communication they're going to have with their teammates? Because one of the things I've always heard from coaches, especially when it's come to this uh, coronavirus pandemic and all that, is the the worry is uh, conditioning, especially going into <laughs> summer practice and then going into August. You know, those opening games are, you know, really hot and humid and really sweaty and conditioning is definitely going to be tested early on. What is the, what is the communication with those seniors and those leaders and how are they uh, communicating with the team? Well, you have guys right now, our position coach has done a really good job identifying their one or two leaders per group. And then, you know, we're putting out the the workouts every, every week that are still able to be used with body weight and we're still delivering the protein drinks that they're used to getting throughout the season. So, uh, you know, we're having to make trips all around the city to, to pass those out and try and take care of every one of our guys. But a lot of it's based on the position coach has that dude and it could be a freshman. It could be a senior. Um, now, if we ever want, you know, all the kids to get together for a zoom meeting or something on the internet and, you know, Ronnie and Rico, uh, Ronnie Baker and Rico Johnson are going to be the two guys that we really eat up. But every position coach has their guy that they're able to, you know, offensive line and maybe Jackson Hodge receiver wise, maybe Rico and Patrick McNeil. Um, linebackers is going to be Ty Anderson and Demetrius Myrick and you know each position coach has their dude that they're able to reach out to 
and then you know if they get on their meeting and they see that somebody's not there right we got everybody's numbers and everybody's mom's numbers and we can reach out to them make sure they're where they need to be um but you start looking into you know things we do checking grades and making sure kids are up on schoolwork and getting out of bed um you know those things are even more difficult now that we're having to wake up and just get on the horn and again try and check on those guys every day and just make sure we know we we love them and we're still thinking about them and if they need anything um beyond what's normally needed that that we're there for them and I'm just trying to keep everybody positive but like i said this at this point last year it would have been a whole different story um but having everybody come back and just and they know the expectation and i think they understand that they can probably turn it on right there at the beginning and uh, the conditioning portion college you mentioned is is going to be uh, atrocious i mean i i don't understand how folks are going to do it um even with the workouts and if kids are doing things on their own it's still not doing it like we would have done it together and it's still not having those kids you know up there bonding so i think you're going to have you know a lot of questions to answer come june and july if we're able to get outside of what you do and what you do to get ready for august um but that's one of those where it's just going to be relying on each other as coaches and calling your mentors and seeing what people around this area are doing um because i think we're all going to have the same questions yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone's on the equal playing field with this, but uh, it's something that we've obviously never seen before, and it's going to be a difficult uh, process for everyone. But it seems like Thomasville is pretty well equipped to handle it, especially with the uh, the roster returning. I'm really looking forward to the Bulldogs this next season, and I'm definitely going to tune in and see how they perform. Uh, Coach Grage, thanks again for coming on and uh, talking to us. And uh, obviously, stay safe, and we're looking forward to hearing from you throughout the season. Absolutely, Kyle. I appreciate it. Thanks. thanks for all you do for South Georgia football. Thank you. All right, and thanks again to Coach Zach Grage for coming on. He is one of the great guys in the business, and it's always good to see one of those guys find success. And I'm uh, I'm expecting big things from Thomasville this season. Uh, Ronnie Baker, quarterback, Ricky Fulton at running back, Ricardo Johnson at wide receiver, and then Ty Anderson was leading tackler for the team last year. He's coming back on defense. This is a This is a loaded crew. And with the two top teams in 2A last season down down in Class A, that's Dublin and Brooks County, it's really an open field in 2A. That will be a fun one to watch. And um, that's going to wrap it up for our show. Once again, check out our podcast every Thursday, available at itgnext.com or wherever you consume your podcasts, like Apple or Spotify. We'll be back next week. And remember to stay safe, sport fans, and stay inside for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.